Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that, that you've just filled this place with such beautiful music this morning. We thank you for the message through those songs. We thank you that we can gather here and worship openly and freely. And we pray that just for the next couple of moments that you would silence all of the distractions that are going on in our hearts and in our minds, and that you would just help us to be present to your words and your truths. So, Father, now may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth, may they be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning, I planned on having a different kind of sermon. So the scripture reading we usually give to you guys so that you can be prepared for the sermon. But what happens is that we send the scripture reading in on a Sunday But as we all know, things can change over the week, and so this week the sermon has changed, and so that scripture is actually going to be pushed over to next week. So the title of the sermon today is, May Your Soul See Good. But for those of you who are here, you're going to have to listen in online for Fresno students and friends, because that'll be for next week. Because God was kind of showing me something new over the course of the week, and that's what I want to preach this morning. And... um, And so I'm going to ask you to follow along. Um, So I don't watch very many Disney movies. For whatever reason, growing up, we just didn't do that. We didn't have cable, so we couldn't see them on cable. We didn't really go to the video store that often. So I never got to see many of these. I I only got to see the ones that were like 1996 and beyond. And even then, it was only the ones that my sister decided that she liked. And then she would play them over and over and over again. So I got to know a couple of them really well. Of the ones that my sister showed me, though, my favorite one, as you already saw, was Aladdin. Now, I'm not sure if it's because the hero of the movie was dark and had a big nose like me, but this is the one that I liked the most. But the reason isn't just because Aladdin looks kind of like me. It's because the concept of the genie. How many of us, when we were in elementary school or even through high school, the question was always like, if you had three wishes, what would they be? Now, the first one that we always picked was what? World peace. Because that was like the politically correct thing. Like, you, you know, be selfish if you didn't use one of your wishes for world peace or solve world hunger, right? So you, you kind of had to, so you only had two. The other ones were usually filled with like wealth and love and health or eternal life. But you see, we like this, I liked this idea of being able to, like, someone gives you three wishes, and no matter, what they, no matter what those wishes are, you are going to have them forever. But one of the things that we see in, in some of these movies is that the wishes that people make always end up backfiring on them, or the way the wishes are granted are not the way the person intended them to be granted. But see, we like this idea of we can ask for something, make a wish, and it will come true. I mean, we do this when we see a shooting star. How many people have seen a shooting star and they make a wish, right? That's we wish upon a shooting star. Just this week, I had a friend um, when we were at the hospital and an eyelash fell. And she says, oh, let me blow, let me blow the eyelash so I can get a wish. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not real. Sorry for spoiling that for some of the younger folks. <laughs> But we like this idea that there is some power out there in the universe that will help to fulfill, that will help to give us the desires of our hearts. So I know that these types of movies are childish, and we know that that doesn't really happen. There is no lamp. We've searched everywhere, and there is no genie in a bottle somewhere. But you see, even as adults, we do this with God. 
You see, I often hear, and, and so as a pastor, when, when I go to different places, um, you know, to get my oil change or to get haircuts or to do all the kinds of things that we have to do, right? When people find out that I'm a pastor, they always feel like they need to talk about God or faith or religion. And one of the things that inevitably almost always comes up is this idea of God as a genie. See, it's not just for the people outside the church that kind of think of, well, if we ask God, God should give us. But we do this all the time, even in the ways that we pray. God, I really need this. And I do this. I have to catch myself. I have to be reminded. God, please give me this. This is what I really want. God, if you'll just do this, then I will do this for you. If you would only grant this request, then I would have everything I would need. And so we're always asking, we're always wishing, we always think of God as this genie that is up in the sky who is ready to grant us some, some wish. Because after all, we're Christians, we love God, and so God should help us. But the Bible doesn't necessarily teach that picture of God. The Bible doesn't really teach us a picture of a God who's going to answer all of your prayers just because you ask. In fact, oftentimes what we see is God doesn't ever answer the prayers that we want. You see, the hardest prayer to pray, I believe, because it's hard for me, so I don't know if it is for you. But whenever we face certain circumstances, we know what we would like, and that's usually what we pray for. But the hardest prayer to pray is not, this is what I would like, but rather, Father, whatever your will is, may that be done. That's the hardest prayer to pray. You know why? Because God's will may not be the thing that you want. It's scary. It's hard. We don't like it. And yet we know that that's, where, that's what Scripture leads us to pray for. It isn't God is the genie in the sky that will grant you your every wish and every desire, but God will grant you some things. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So if you have your Bible or don't have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 this morning. It's a teaching that I think all of us have heard many times. If you've ever come to church, this is one of those things that we teach on. Um, we learn this, you know, um, Jeff, or what's your last name, Jeff? Mr. Lawrenson probably teaches this in his religion class. He's a religion teacher, so he's going to be grading me on how I do this morning. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching, and the Bible tells us that this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So this is one of like, Jesus' collection of sermons, of teachings, all in a sense put into one place. This is where we come to time and time again. This is where we learn what Jesus is kind of commanding us and telling us what to do. So Jesus begins this part of his sermon. And so there's like a bunch of different sermons. They're all compiled into one. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. I mean, this just describes like 90% of the things I have to worry about in a day, right? Where are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? For some of us, what are we going to wear today, right? I have nothing in my closet. What am I going to wear? And God says, don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about food. Don't worry, in a sense, what he is saying is don't worry about the necessities of life. And he goes on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not more val- are you not of more value than they are? How many times do we go to the grocery store and we stock up on so many things? 
And sometimes when we go to the grocery store, um, if you have families, you stock up on more stuff because you know kids are going to come home and their friends are going to come over. Or we stock up on the non-perishable things so we don't have to keep coming back every week to buy as many things. And Jesus is saying, look, the, look at the birds. of the, Look at the birds. They have nowhere to call home. They build their nests everywhere, right? We know that. If you, have, you, know, if you just walk outside your home, there's probably a nest somewhere close in, you know, in a corner of your house. But he's like, they, they, don't, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't plant, they don't go to stores, they don't have money, they don't have, hand, they don't have hands, they don't have anything that you think you need in order to survive, and yet I have provided a way for them to never go hungry. He says, and if that's true, aren't you more valuable than the birds of the sky? And can any of you, by worrying at a single hour to the span of your life. How many of you have ever worried about something? How many of you are currently consumed and worried by something right now? Yeah, that's a lot of us. You see, it's like Jesus, thanks for your awesome Jesus feel good message, but we have tons of things to worry about. We have bills we have to pay, mortgages to pay, car payments to pay, school to pay for, electricity to pay for, food to pay for. I mean, there are so many things for us that we have to pay for, things that we worry about, health concerns to worry about, relationships to worry about, friendships to worry about, careers to worry about. I mean, we live in a world that is filled with worry. There's a quote, and I don't know where it's from, Oh, this one I do know. It's worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. You can worry all you want, but it's not going to add an hour. But here's another quote, and I don't know where this one came from. He says, if a problem is fixable, if a situation is such that you can do something about it, then there's no need to worry. Because if you can do something about it, you'll fix it, you'll handle it, and you'll take care of it. If it's not fixable... Then there's no help in worrying. There's no benefit in worrying whatsoever. So if you can fix it, why are you worrying about it? You'll just take care of it when you have to. If you can't fix it, why are you worrying about it? You're never going to fix it anyway. You see, we worry about so many things, and God's like, you're worrying about all of the wrong things. And Jesus goes, and why, and why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither work nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, and we're thinking of Solomon as an extremely wealthy king, the wisest man ever to have lived. People would come from all over the world and bring him gifts from their homeland so that they could get his wisdom. It says, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. Because in a, in a lily there is inherent beauty just in the fact that it is a flower created by God. He says, why are you worrying about all these other things? He says, but if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, in essence, you know, we mow our lawns every day. If that's beautiful, if that's purposeful, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus is calling out these people, saying you're worrying about all of the wrong things. You're worrying too much. You're worried about the things that really aren't going to give you life. Worrying doesn't make your days longer, right? He says worrying cannot add one single hour. It may feel like your days are longer when you are worrying about something. But if all of your focus and your attention is on that thing that you're worried about, 
then your attention, your focus, and your eyes are no longer on God. Because we know that if we can keep our eyes on God, if we can allow ourselves to try to live kind of in the path that God is guiding us towards, things won't be perfect. We know that. There's illness everywhere. There's hardships everywhere. But if we can learn to focus our eyes on God, a lot of the stuff that we are worried about today may not be such a big deal. Because at the end, even if there's illness and even if there's death, at the end there is still promise of a resurrection. So even the worst that the world can throw at us, God has already defeated it. It may hurt and it may sting. But we know that ultimately God will vindicate himself. So there's a story that I want to share. A good friend of mine sent me this story. said, I think if you're going to preach this sermon, then this story will be a really good story to tell. So I'm going to do my best to tell it. It's a story of a man. Let me see if I have a blank screen so you don't get distracted. Nope. Ah. So I'll read this. Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? We'll stop there. So there's a story, and I'm going to do my best to do it. There was a man named Paresh. Um, and he was hired to help restore an old farmhouse. So on his first day of work, the story tells us that his big work truck got a flat tire. So he had to fix that, he had to change that. It took about an hour or two hours of his day away from his labor. Then when he was working, the saw that he was using, it broke. It just stopped working. So he couldn't continue to work that day on that particular part of the project. And when it was finally, you know, 5 o'clock, time to call it a day, and the time that he was going to go home, his truck now wouldn't start. Now, is that a bad day? Some of you are like, no, because you didn't have to work that much. But if you, need a, if you need to feed a family, that's a bad day. That's a horrible day, because you can't get the work that you were hired to do. So the, the owner who hires him says, okay, don't worry, I'll take you home. And the owner tells us that on the, way, on the way home, Paresh was quiet. He didn't say very much. He wasn't talking. He was just sitting there silently. And when he got to his house, Paresh says, hey, you know, owner, why don't you come in and have a cup of tea? So he, so he says, okay, sure. So as they're walking into the house, this, this builder, Paresh, he stops at a small tree, and he, it looks like he hangs something on this tree. And the owner just looks, is like, okay, you know, I don't know what that's all about. They walk in, and he says that the moment that Paresh opens the door and he walks into his, to his wife and his kids, his face just changes. He smiles, he's warm, he's happy, he is glad to be home. So after, it's, it's kind of this amazing transformation. So after they were done having a cup of tea, Paresh walks the owner out to his car in, in hospitality, in a hospitable manner. They walk by the same tree, and the owner looks at it, but he's still not sure what was happening. And so the owner asks Paresh, he says, I I noticed you do something to this tree when we walked past it. And Paresh says, well, that's my worry tree. That's where I hang my worries. He says, I know at work and out there, outside of my house, there are going to be many things to worry about. There is going to be conflict. There is going to be all sorts of horrible things that happen but when I come home I, home, I hang all of those worries on the street because when I enter into the house, I know that that is not a place for conflict or worry. Because when I go home, that is where the fullness of life is. So the owner's like, but, I, but those worries are still there. He says, yeah, but they can wait. And then in the morning when I leave, I go and I pick that bag of worry up and I put it on my shoulder again. And he says, but the funny thing is, is that when I pick it up in the morning, It's not as heavy as it was the night before. 
Because what this man understands is that the true meaning of life isn't how many things we can accumulate, how many things we can buy. Right? It's it's not about what our 401k looks like or the size of our paycheck. I know that in, in this country, that's what they tell us that true happiness and security is, right? Financial security, financial wealth. We need to have a home with a white picket fence and hopefully a two-car garage with two cars to fill it. And we want to have good retirement accounts and we want to make sure that we have money and savings. And, and so we talk about all of these things. And you know what? That, that's, that's what? That's what the world is telling us we need. I'm not saying those things are bad. Like, we should all have savings. Like, that's helpful. You know, some of those things are good, okay? But if that's what our focus is on, he said, that's the wrong thing to focus on because what truly matters is the people in your life who you love, your family, your friends. It's not about the things in your life. It's about the people that God has placed in your life for you to do life together with. Because when we get to heaven, what are you taking with you? Just you. Probably you won't even be able to take your Bible. That's not sacrilegious. I'm not trying to be heretical. I'm just saying... There won't be a need for the Bible because the prophecy will already be fulfilled. What we get, what we take when we go to heaven are the people that are all around us. That's why church is important because it is in church that we get a glimpse of what eternity might be like. So let's let's continue because I'm running out of time. Jesus says, For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things, what we will eat, what we will wear, what we will, you know, all that stuff. Indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Now, the word Gentile in the first century, that we could substitute it today for it is for unbelievers worry about, that people that don't believe or put their trust in God, they worry about all of this other stuff that, that, that you're worried about right now. He says, but you have faith and you have trust. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, if, you're, if you've read this story, some of you are like, why did you skip verse 33? Because I wanted to get through this 34 so that we could go back to verse 33. Because this is Jesus' prescription for how to live a worry-free life. He says, strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Coming to Jesus and allowing yourself to trust in God doesn't mean that life will be easy. We know that. It doesn't mean that it will be free of illness or free of financial hardships. We know that that's just part of the the life that we live here on this earth. This earth isn't heaven. It's not exactly the way God intended things to be. So this isn't just a feel-good, like, okay, I'm just going to strive for the kingdom of heaven and let's hope it works. But what Jesus is saying is if you strive for the kingdom... If you keep your eyes on Christ and you keep trying to be open to the presence of God in every aspect of your life, it's not that everything will just fall into place, but your priorities will begin to shift in such a way that your relationships will change. How you treat people at work will change. And it sounds too, like, doesn't mean you'll be perfect because none of us are perfect, okay? It's a lifelong process of transformation. But it means it's a continual daily trying to submit yourself to God in such a way that you're allowing God to work in your life. To seek the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and his righteousness is about trying to pull all of your life in the direction that is serving God 
And when you serve God, you will ultimately serve those around you. And I have something I want to read here. Life isn't going to be better just because God is going to reward you for being good by searching for the kingdom. But it's because when you position your life focused on searching for God and being exposed to God, reading his word. For me, it's, it's reading scripture, listening to Christian songs, talking about God, Bible study. And when you're serving the way God wants you to serve, then your life will be positioned in such a way that you won't have time to be worrying about all the other stuff that we worry about. I think the problem is we don't keep our eyes focused on God enough, and I begin with myself, like I understand that, is that we don't keep our eyes and our focus on God enough, and that's why we then tend to worry about so many other things. And so I'll finish with a text that's not on the screen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. If you come back next week, this will make a whole lot more sense because we're going to be talking about what it looks like to not just be happy, but to learn to be content with the way your life is going. And the reason that that message is important is because the world will try to tell us that that's not the way things should be. So we invite you to all come back next week. Fresno, um, family and friends, we invite you to listen online. Um, But we know that it'll, it'll be worth your listen. God bless all of you.